0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv, or you can text the word cabot to 88000. We believe for our students here at this church, they have to get into God's Word for God's Word to get into them that they have to get in the word themselves on a daily or almost daily basis for God's word to get into them. We believe they should be serving somewhere, whether that's changing diapers or in kid life or hanging out with younger students in 412, maybe even real life or outside these walls. We believe every student should be serving. And we know that if they want to not look like culture, it it may cause some tension in their school, may cause some tension in their family, but looking like culture almost every time is gonna compromise their faith. And so we believe in the next generation, and that's kind of the topic today. I'm in a unique spot as one of the next generation pastors. I I pastor our our junior high and middle school, and then some of our high schoolers as well. Uh, But I'm not in their generation, but I have to act like them at times. So they keep me young. I have to be relevant. I have to be hip. I have to know what's trending. I have to try to be cool. And hopefully through that, they like me, and they're growing in their relationship with the Lord, and I don't get fired in the process. Um, Amen, Pastor James. Um, Today... I want to talk on this topic of generations. Everyone say generations. of Exodus chapter 17 is where I want to go. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you're a real Christian or you have your Bible app and you're a fake one, uh, we'll be there today. Just kidding. Um, in Exodus chapter 17, shots fired from the stage. I believe as a church, please hear this, that we are moving into something new as a church. Bixie Church, as in the church across the world. The Church in America, New Life Church, but I want to talk today maybe specifically about our campus. I believe we're headed to something new. We're headed to something where God is wanting to show off, where his glory is going to be revealed, where his spirit has been stirring in our youth ministries on Sunday mornings and in worship nights and out, out of this building as well. But even though God wants to do something new, he's still the same God, from generation to generation, he's still the same God, even though he's wanting to do a new thing. And look, I don't know where we're going. And Pastor James and Cody and our staff, we don't know where the Lord's taking us, but we know that the Lord wants to wake us up, that He wants a revival in our church and in our city and in this state and in this country. I don't know what it looks like, but I can feel it. And I can hear it in prayer, I hear it in worship. And it's for every generation, but I believe there are some things that we need to learn as we walk towards that as a church. And so that's the context of today's message. In Exodus 17, if you look back a few chapters in 12 and 13, you have the Israelites that are walking out of slavery. The Lord's told them to consecrate themselves, to try to be holy. And then in Exodus 14, they're in the middle of a miracle. And God, he's showing up and he's showing out and the water is parting on both sides, in Exodus 15, they're on the other side and they're celebrating, they're singing, they're dancing. Exodus 16, they're hungry and he gives them manna. And Exodus 17 is where we're at today and they're thirsty. But he's the same God through, all, through every single chapter, every situation, he is the same God. In verse one, let's read this together, it'll be on the screen. It says, the whole Israelite community, every generation, all of them, they're walking where God's taken them and they came from the desert of sin, traveling, from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses and they grumbled against Moses and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why do you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our animals die of thirst? If you look back at verse one, it says they followed the Lord from place to place. They did what he commanded. So every generation, for the most part, they're doing what God said, but they're thirsty. Look at your neighbor and say, thirsty. I feel like the right side of the room said and the left side of the room, you're still waiting for me to say something else. Everyone say thirsty. I remember I was 12 or 13 years old and I had not played golf before hardly ever in my life. And when I was going to the driving range with a friend and his dad, and I remember driving there, we had no water, had nothing to drink. And I just assumed that as an adult, he was going to buy us something to drink when we got there. So it's the middle of July, we're at this driving range, and I probably hadn't hit a ball, just swing and miss. And we're there for about 90 minutes and nothing to drink. We leave, and I thought, as an adult, he's going to stop somewhere and buy us something to drink. And we didn't get anything to drink. So for about two, two and a half hours in the middle of July. After I sweat out everything that I had, I'm in the back of this RAV 4, driving down 67, and I y'all, I am so thirsty, I'm parched. I thought to myself, when I get to my friend's house, I'm gonna drink the first thing that I see. And so I open up the fridge. He's one of those friends where you just open up, you don't ask questions. How many of y'all have friends like that? You just pop open the fridge. I remember I got down in the bottom drawer and I saw a can that said lemonade. And I was like, the Lord is good. I'm going to drink this. And so I remember popping the top, about to drink it. My, my friend's dad was like, no, 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 no. Don't drink that. I'm like, but I'm thirsty. He's like, yeah, but don't drink that. And I'm like, you can't tell me what, like, I'm going to drink this. And he said, you can't drink that. That's Mike's hard lemonade. <laughs> and I said, sir, who is Mike? Like, I don't care who Mike is. He said, no, like that's an adult drink. You can't have that. It's a whole other message, but if you're thirsty enough, you'll drink anything. You'll drink anything in your life and you'll compromise where God has called you to if you're thirsty enough. Maybe that's for another day. I wanna draw your attention to the fact that Moses was probably a little thirsty too. He was leading people, but he was still a human. He's walking through the same desert. He also did not have water, yet they're yelling at Moses and they're arguing with Moses. Why did you bring us out here to die? We'd rather be slaves They come out here in the die of thirst. They're angry with him, they're fighting with him. And I think as a church what we can learn from this is as we move forward into what God has for us, every generation has to fight in the right direction. We have to fight in the right direction. I've heard stories of people fighting lifeguards in a pool as they're getting saved. Have y'all heard of that before where they're in such a panic they begin to fight the lifeguards? Well, I have a couple of friends that do that and so I asked them, hey, is this true? And this is what one of my friends said. He said, that's actually a big part of life group training. There are different saves you perform from the different ways you approach a victim. Call them a victim, it's kind of weird. But there's a a save that they're they're facing towards you, one that they're away from you, underwater, above water. Almost every save that you make where they are conscious, you orient their body to face away from you to keep them from hitting you on accident. And even when that happens, they still hit you. The majority of time I've got scratched or punched or just hit in general. He said this, when people are drowning, they don't care for what's around them or what they're doing. They're just trying to breathe. It's important in a context of our text today in Exodus 17 to get where the Israelites are at emotionally. It's not necessarily in the text, but we can perceive that they're, they're drowning and they're just trying to breathe, that they're tired from walking. They've walked from chapter 13 to chapter 17. It's about 40 days walking in a desert. There's a God leading them that none of them know personally. They don't know the God they're serving just yet. They're trying to rely on this man from heaven. They're running from the enemies, and they are thirsty, and they are tired, and they have no water. I'm learning in this season of my life, it's easy to blame other people when you're exhausted. It's easy to blame other people when you're thirsty, whether that's emotionally, relationally, spiritually, physically, It's easy to blame other people. And look, it's easy to fight people that we can see compared to an enemy that we can't see. It's easy to fight humans because we can see them and we see their reactions, but it's a lot harder at times to to fight the enemy that we can't see. But as a church, I believe that we have to engage and fight the enemy and we have to engage and fight anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, no matter if it's a person a situation, an illness, a sickness, your boss at work, an addiction, a mindset, we address it all the same way. We address it in prayer, we address it with God's word, and we address it in worship before the breakthrough happens, during the breakthrough and after the breakthrough. We address it in prayer, we address it in worship, and we address it with the word of God. And adults, we have to get this right. There's a next generation that is looking at us, whether we acknowledge that or not, whether we like it or not. They look towards us. And so it's hard for the next generation to do what they don't see. We have to model this for them. We need my generation, the parent generation, the grandparent generation to set the tone and set the example in fighting the enemy. Because when the next generation, when they see it, then they can do it. But there's so many students that that come to our ministries that have no idea what spiritual warfare is but the enemy doesn't care. He attacks them anyway. He doesn't have any rules like we do. And so we have to teach them to engage in spiritual warfare, maybe slowly but surely, we're gonna teach them. As a church where we're headed, this awakening, this revival, this new outpouring of God's presence, it's not gonna happen without opposition. So we have to agree to fight in the right direction. They said, why, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? He's not even identifying as them. They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb, strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. Number two is, as a church, we already have what it takes. You already have what it takes on the inside of you. We have what it takes as a whole to move into this next season that the Lord has for us. You already have the physical gifts and the spiritual gifts on the inside of you that the Lord has already placed there. For most of this room, you also have the Holy Spirit. I want to be clear, just because these kids right here are in middle school does not mean they have a junior Holy Spirit. Just because these high schoolers are a little bit younger, they don't get a junior Holy Spirit. They get the real thing. They get the same God that you and I have. They have the same Spirit on the inside of them. So do we need to sharpen our gifts? Yes. We need to sharpen our gifts with people around us and the Holy Spirit. But you already have it. What is in your hand? better question is, what are you doing with it? Moses already had the staff. a matter of fact, he had used it before. Miracles already happened with the staff. But what I've seen in my own life, y'all, and seen leading middle schoolers and high schoolers and even some adults is that, that thing that's in our hand, there's some of us that we believe it's not good enough. We believe it's not good enough for the Lord to use or, hey, you don't know my past. You don't know what I've done. The Lord can't use that. And that's a lie from the enemy. Without the Holy Spirit, you're right, though. It's not good enough. What you and I have is not good enough, but with the Holy Spirit, it is more than enough. Don't let comparison and what someone else has take the purpose in what you have. My gift and your gift may look different, but it doesn't make anyone better than the other. Young person, 4'12, what you have matters. I know you're 10, 11, 12, maybe 13 because you failed a grade, but what you have matters. Real life, what you have matters. I can name all of you, most of you anyway, and say the gifts that you have, they matter. Your gift matters, bro. Quit being scared. You got gifts. Y'all have gifts. Everyone in this room, you have gifts. It is good enough with the power of the Holy Spirit. An older generation, there is a need on the other side of your yes In the next generation. They need people like you. What I've also noticed is that there are people who don't know how to use what they have or they don't know what it is. And I've definitely been there in my life. But what I would say is to ask someone in the next season of life that you trust, good questions. Hey, can you help me in my life? Can you sharpen me in the gifts that I have? Can you help me find out what they are? What I love about this church is that mentorship happens a lot in this church, but it doesn't happen enough. It needs to happen more, it needs to happen continually all over this building, all over the place. I remember joining the church about 10 or 11 years ago. And uh, if you don't know me, um, I'm not a people person. So this is kind of weird. This whole thing right here with the mic is, is, is weird. So I'm not a people person. The first thing I started to do in the old building in our old church was to hold open doors and it scared the crap out of me. So some of y'all are like, wow, you're scared. And some of y'all are like, yep, that'd be me too. Like terrified to say hi to people. That was me. Every Sunday though, I held open that left door on the right hand side of the doors. And there was a guy named Brad. He used to ask me every week, man, how's your week going? How is you and your family? How can I pray for you? What's on your heat map? I didn't know at the time, but I needed someone like Brad just to talk to me, to sharpen me, to make me reflect, to make me think intentionally. Young person, don't be too prideful to ask someone for help. Don't be too afraid to ask someone for help. And for the older generation, again, we need you. We need your expertise. We need your wisdom. For some of you, we need to know how to do things. And some of you, we need to know how not to do things. For some people, I love you. For some people, I noticed that what they had, they dropped. Whether it was a hard season in their life, whether something happened in their family or at work or in their body, but they dropped what they had. Can I encourage you to get back up? Pick it back up. Allow the Holy Spirit to raise you in that gift that you have, maybe from what feels like death. As a church, we need every person in this room. This generation needs you. Your generation needs you. Your family needs you. Your friends need you. This city, they need everybody in this room. I'm not special because I have a mic. We need everybody doing their part. The thing is, is we might be able to do it without you, but we don't wanna try. We don't want to put that to chance. We need everybody. We need you fighting in the right direction with the gifts that you have. But even if you do that, how many of y'all know you can still be tired? You can still be thirsty. And so in verse six, we have some good news. This is God speaking. It says, I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. Y'all, if you didn't know, life could be hard. And at other times it could be really hard. No matter what generation you're in, you're gonna get thirsty. Can I tell you, church, all you have to do is strike the rock. And I'm not talking about the rock and a little baggie on a street corner. Not that rock. That's last generation. I'm talking about the rock. If you strike the rock, water will come. I know the method is crazy in this chapter and all throughout scripture, really God uses crazy methods, but the methods tend to work. Strike the rock and water Will come. And what I've noticed in scripture is that God has a habit of using rocks. You have the altars in the Old Testament. You have David being a boy with a rock taking down a giant. You have Peter in the New Testament. He's called rock, it actually means rock. And Christ built his church on him. God loves to use rocks. And so if you're married and your husband, all he does is watch TV, there's still hope for him. If your kid, all they do is play video games and they're a rock, there is still hope for them. Teenager, if your parents pay you no attention, there's still hope for them. If your family or your friends, if they let you down or walked out on you, there is still hope in the rock, and his name is Jesus Christ. There is still hope in water that comes from the rock. He's still the same. And point number three we see in our text is the rock was there the whole time. That rock was always there. As we walk forward as a church, generations link together, work together, worshiping together, praying together, serving together, pushing back the kingdom of darkness together. We're gonna get a little thirsty. We have to remember the rock has always been there and he always will be there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, y'all, this is so crazy. I love the Old Testament and the New and how it works together. This is referring to the generations in Exodus. It says, all of them, they ate the same spiritual food, that's the manna, and all of them drank the same spiritual water for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them and that rock was Christ. What's crazy in this story is Moses did not know he was tapping into Jesus. He didn't know as, as he struck the rock, that was Jesus in a weird form, but it was still Christ the Israelites, they were walking to a promise they hadn't seen yet. We're walking into something that we can't see yet. But look, I know for Pastor James and Cody and our staff and our lay teams and our teams that serve and our core leaders, what we're walking into, if Jesus is not there, we don't wanna go. But I have a feeling that Jesus is all up in this. The Holy Spirit is leading us in this direction. Just because this season that we're about to walk into is new, a reminder again, he's still the same God. He's still the same rock. Today, the six year anniversary of being in this building. Before that, we were in an older building and before that we were a different church. There's legacies and generations that are in this room But what I don't wanna do is to get to year seven next September and wish we could have prayed more or worshiped more or done more or served more or gave more. And I don't wanna keep growing as a church but have shrinking people. I don't wanna grow numerically but on the inside we're not growing as an individual. We all have a role to play to where God has taken us. Every generation is gonna take everyone doing their part. We can't do it by fighting in the wrong direction. We can't do it by fighting the left or the right or the red or the blue or who's in office and who's not in office. We can't fight our neighbor or our spouse or our ex-spouse. We can't fight our boss, our kids, a stranger, social media. We got to take the fight to where it matters, and that's the enemy. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we got to push back and win this next generation back. What disturbs me is that most adults, including myself and older, we complain about the next generation saying, look at their trends, look at their habits, look at their patterns, look at how they are. You know who was in charge of the world when they were kids, when they were babies? Us. I'm not saying we're to blame, but we gotta fight. We gotta fight for these kids and these students, these teenagers and ones in college to come back home to the Lord. Stop pointing the finger. Instead, point to the cross. That's where the bread is. We got to use the gifts that we have. I'm telling you, it's already on the inside of you. Growing up with a speech problem, you could never tell me I would be right here right now. But Pastor James, he saw the gift in me. The Holy Spirit sharpened me. Everyone in this room, you have a gift. What are you doing with it? Pick it back up. Ask someone to help you sharpen it. Holy Spirit, where do you want me using this gift in your church? We got to come together. But we can't do it without the rock. We can't do it without Jesus. We can't do it without his spirit. Amen, church. Amen, church. Let's bow our heads together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your presence. Would you come even more now, Holy Spirit? I want to take a hard left turn just for a minute. And as I've read and as I've heard and researched and looked through scripture and our nation's history, y'all, revival and awakening, it didn't really start till there were a mass group of people that said sorry to the Lord, that repented. And I, I know that's a weird word in church sometimes, to repent, but really it's just to change your mind, to change your direction and turn back to God. And I'll be the first to say that in my life, I have not fought in the right direction the whole time. I fought against people that I love and people that I hate. I've not always used the gift on the inside of me to advance God's kingdom, to help to win souls. And y'all, I've had to repent from that. I don't know if it's sin, but I do know that it's an offense to God to not do what he's asked us to do. And so maybe you're here, And you'd be honest, like I'm trying to be right now. And you would say, I know I've not been fighting in the right direction lately. or I know I've not been using my gifts and I just want to tell God, sorry. If that's you, would you raise your hand so we could pray before we go into responses? Keep your hands up. A lot of people, yes. Yes, Lord. God, you see our hands and you know our hearts. And God, we just say, sorry, we repent. We turn from fighting people and fighting ourselves and our own thoughts and our own mindset, then we turn to push back against the enemy by using the gifts and the power that you have given us. Help us to do that, Holy Spirit. You can put your hands down, thank you. I'm aware most people in this room, you're a Christian, that Jesus has saved you from your sin, but right now, currently, he's not Lord. He's not calling the shots. You are. You're the boss of your life, as we would say in Kill Life. You're making the decisions without guidance of the Holy Spirit, and that's not his plan for you. Or maybe you're here and you've never made the decision to make Jesus Lord and Savior, and you know right now you need someone to save you from your sin. If either one of those two people are you and you say, I need to come back to God and make him Lord or you've never made that decision, you know you need to right now. Today is the day of salvation. Could you raise your hand so I could pray for you? No one's looking around. I see you, sir. Thank you. Right here. I got you. Right here. Over here in the back to my right. Thank you. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. I got you. Thank you. Right here. I see you. I see you. In Romans chapter 10, it says that when we, believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. That's what gets us saved. So thank you for raising your hand, but you gotta believe and you gotta pray this. God, I need you. I know I'm a sinner and so I need your grace and I receive it right now. I know you lived a perfect life. You died and you resurrected to pay for my sin, to give me eternal life in heaven. A relationship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit and you, Jesus. Empower me by that same Holy Spirit to walk a life of power and authority in my giftings in any way that you see fit and help me be rooted in a local church. In Jesus' mighty name, the church said this morning, amen. Amen, let's put our hands together. We had seven or eight people make a decision. We celebrate with you. We celebrate with you. The next thing what I wanna do is a little bit different today. It is Next Gen Takeover. I'm still in charge right now. Pastor James, I'm kidding. If you are in college, if you're in high school, middle school, junior high, or younger, could you please stand right now? College, high school, or younger, could you please stand right now? This is the next generation. And look, I don't know all of you. Some of you I literally have never seen before, but I know a lot of you. But even if I know you or not, your heavenly father knows you. He knows the hair on your head, he knows your gifts, he knows your past, he knows your future, and you matter to God. You matter to this church. You matter to our pastors, you matter to me. God wants to use you, even if you're not a believer yet. I was in junior high, still not believing in Christ. But you're purposed. There is a plan for you, I don't care what the enemy says. In the name of Jesus, you have purpose, you have calling, you will be used. And as a church, we're gonna stand with you, we're gonna teach you how, as best we can. We're not perfect, besides our prayer team, a lot of them are, but we believe in you. We believe in the next generation. And so church, I'm about to pray over them. If you're near them, Lay your hands on them or stretch your hands out towards them. I want hundreds of people right now in this room praying for the next generation. Let's do this together. Lord, we love you and God like you, we believe in the next generation. We believe that you're the same God from one generation to the next and by your power, we see a generation that will not compromise in their faith. We see a generation not afraid to use their gifts to impact your kingdom. We see a generation in love with your word and unwavering in what it says. God, we see a generation that has some real issues, but they have a real God. We believe this generation will be used to shake the world upside down by the power of your spirit like you did in Acts 2. We see a generation advancing forcefully against the kingdom of darkness who will not back down from anything. God, we see a generation made in your image by your hand for your glory that does not care what culture says or the enemy says. We see a generation that you love, that you died for, that are your sons and your daughters. As a church, Lord, help us to love them and empower them like you do. In Jesus' mighty name, the church agreed and said this morning, amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together one more time. The last thing that I want to say as we all begin to stand to our feet, if you you don't mind, let's stand to our feet. I want to say thank you. As a pastor of this next generation, the middle schoolers and high schoolers in this room, we had Kid Life Camp for our Kid Life Age kiddos with Pastor Bernie in July. We had Collide Conference in August. And y'all, at our campus, we sent over 50 kids to camp, into conference. And I don't know, right now in this room, there are kids who had an eternal address changed because of your giving. Because you gave those scholarships, they're not going to hell, that's a big deal. And now they're walking out that sanctification process. They're growing. Are they perfect? No, they're not even close. But they love the Lord and they're growing so much. And so as their pastor, I say thank you believing in them with your mouth and with your actions and with your finances. I want to pray over our giving this morning. God, thank you for a church that truly believes in the next generation, that truly believes that they are valuable and that they matter. God, we trust you with the tithe and we trust you with our offering and ask that you would continue to use it to reach the next generation, whether it's here in person or online or through the app or by the mail. God, use it to reach families, to reach marriages, to reach hurting souls in this city, and in this state. In Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer team is down front, y'all. It is their honor and privilege to pray with you. It is their honor and privilege. Students, if you need prayer, you're anywhere in this room, they would love to pray with you. Adults, they would love to pray with you. doesn't have to even do with this message. But man, there's so much power when we partner in prayer together. That's why I ask y'all to pray with me and not just listen to me pray. There is so much power when we pray together. So as they're down here, let's worship with this last song. Let's wrap up a really good day today.